All right, welcome to another episode of Perfusion. Today we've got Todd Price, Roofing CEO. How you doing, Todd? Brother, how are you? Very well. Thanks for coming on today. So, yeah, tell us a little bit. So, you, you, I believe you've grown your your roofing company pretty significantly, or throughout. I know we we were speaking prior to you did a few acquisitions. I don't know if that's your primary growth pattern, but uh, so, so how, how how did you get going in the roofing business? Tell us. Um, so I was in the uh, fitness industry for majority of my past. Um, it was uh, it was pretty much my first like career, like real real job. Um, and then uh, love the fitness industry. Uh, kind of went down a wrong path for a while. Um, contrary to popular belief, the fitness industry isn't necessarily the healthiest of realms of places to, to be. Um, so went down a went down a bad path for a while. Um, finally, when I was 25 got back on track worked my way back up in different companies the roofing or in the fitness industry started getting um kind of recruited from from gym to gym from la fitness to different chains bodyplex whatever and uh was a regional manager for different chains and then i finally met my now wife um at a gym i was a regional manager for and um, stayed there for a little bit longer and then just realized like with the hours, trying to start a family, trying to you know get married, trying to do all this stuff, the hours weren't real conducive, um, although neither is starting a business, but uh, but the money just wasn't there. The freedom, the flexibility, the things I wanted to, to you know be able to give her wasn't there. So um, I quit the gym cold turkey. I actually had a buddy that was uh, in roofing and been pitching it to me for maybe two years telling me like, man, you should do this, you know, with your uh, sales capabilities, like you would kill it and would kind of tell me the process. And it just sounded too good to be true. So um, finally I said, he started sending me pictures of his paychecks and they were like more and more and more. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to, I'll take a chance. So quit well, the gym. Well, and what those paychecks? Uh, it was, yeah, it was a, uh, it started out like one, two, three thousand dollars, you know, here and there, and then all of a sudden it was like twenty eight thousand dollars a month, shit like that. And I was like, I gotta figure this shit out. So, um, so I quit quit the gym industry, and I said, I'm just, you know, I grew up around construction. My dad was a builder. My dad um, built custom homes for forty seven years, forty nine years, something like that. And um, so, growing up when I was little, I remember being on job sites and was fairly familiar with construction. So. Took that leap, um, started with one company and didn't teach me anything. And I was just like, well, fuck it. If they're just going to give me a lead and I don't know what I'm doing, like I can generate leads. That's fine. So I'll just learn it and do it on my own. So um, started the company um, and we grew fairly well. And then uh, the my partner um, started doing it. Isn't like that necessarily easy for most people, right? You had to go get licensed, and you had to like do. Yeah, well, so a lot of people don't know how to do that stuff. So you you're you're smart enough to know how to figure that out. So business wise, one I'll say probably the two best things for me with the fitness industry were 
one being a regional manager, you know, I was a regional manager at a bunch of different chains and some of the bigger chains were good. You learned like systems and processes and things like that. But when I worked at, um, especially one smaller chain that had, uh, it's called just fitness had seven locations here in Georgia, uh, seven in, uh, South Carolina and then one in Alabama. So I was over all those. And, um, every, uh, every other Tuesday, the owner would fly in and he'd fly out on Friday. So this was a guy worth millions of dollars. And he had most of his money wasn't from the gym industry. It was from. Um, Where was he flying in from? From Utah. So uh, he owned a company called National Fitness, which was a CRM system that a lot of gyms used. So through that, it just became second nature for him to own some gyms as well. Um but he made a ton of money from different softwares and things like that. But working with him hand in hand, it really taught me a lot about business and, you know, laid more onto processes and different things like that. And I, I would go with him and see him, um, you know, structuring different deals or negotiating different deals or how he would do certain things. And um, so I got the ability to pick his brain a lot. So I would say that definitely helped with my transition of just me doing things on my own. I kind of learned um, how to, how to do shit and how to maneuver the world being around him. Um, and the other aspect was sales, you know, a lot of, a lot of people go into whatever types of sales and, you know, for them, roofing sales, a lot of people for roofing sales is hard. Um, but one thing I've noticed is people from the gym industry, it's very, very easy. And I, I feel like for me, a part of it is because I would have to sit across from you, take you on a little workout sit across from you and build so much value in myself or the gym or what we were going to do together that you're basically just picturing yourself on muscle and fitness magazine or dropping 50 pounds or whatever your goal is. And then you're paying me thousands of dollars and walking out the door with nothing, you know? So other than hopes and dreams and a receipt that I follow through on what I said I was going to do. Um, whereas with this insurance is paying for it and you get something tangible that actually increases the value of your house and something that goes on the probably the most valuable thing you own. If not, you know, something in your house is the most valuable thing you own. So, um, you know, it just, it became pretty easy to me. So um, I went and worked for another company for a short period of time. And when I realized they weren't doing shit I, is when I went out and started my own thing and uh, did that for a while, had a partner that started doing some, kind of shady shit. And, uh, this was right before my daughter was born. Um, she's just turned seven in December. So, um, I said, you know, I told him, Hey, I don't live this lifestyle anymore. I'm married. I'm about to have my first kid, like I'm not trying to do this. And so I walked away from the company, gave him my half back, didn't ask for any money. I said, I just don't, I want to do things the right way. I don't want to take care of people how I do. And so I left, I had two guys follow me and um, I started over at the uh, December of 2016 and been going strong with perimeter ever since. And so I think the first year, I think we did three year, uh, three million. And then um, now we're at about 250 million a year. So, Whoa. okay. So this year we'll probably be million gross revenue. Wow. And no partners. I have, I have two partners that I brought in. One of the main guys that um, that left with me from the other company, 
Um, there was a sales guy then, and then another guy that uh, oversaw, kind of oversaw the crews. Um, their names are Lance and Ray. And so I, they came with me, but I brought them in down the road a little bit because I've realized like, hey, if I really want to scale this thing and grow and become something huge, I just can't do it by myself. And I have to give, you know, people some some skin in the game, so to speak, to where they can want to grow and they're vested and, you know, it's in their best interest. So um, I did a lot more of the, um, obviously the face of the company, the management type stuff, um, business uh, stuff, back office. Ray did more of the sales and like leading in the field. It was kind of like team leader out there training guys. And then Lance oversaw the crews, making sure the crews got to where they need to be, handing out the address, handing out the builds, making sure materials there, all that kind of shit. So are you, are you all in one location or do you have multiple locations? We have multiple locations. So um, now we're in Georgia, uh, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Texas. So it's been a, a lot of growth in seven, eight years. Seven, seven years, I think. So essentially yeah. the beginning of 2017 and now we're 2024. So yeah, seven years. So three, how, how do you, so th- you hit 3 million. Uh, how, how are you, how'd you grow it to 10 or 20? You know, those are, those numbers alone are big numbers, much less. So one thing that was, was huge for me was um, obviously efficiency. The more efficient you are, the, the better you are at anything. And then um, the other thing was just a knowledge base. There's, you know, so many companies out there that not that they're doing anything wrong, you know, but they just they don't necessarily have the knowledge. And I, I wanted to be the absolute best that we could be, not only from the product that we're installing, but also from the customer service standpoint, also from the experience that the customer gets from the knowledge that we have on the roof, not only what we're taking off or what we're dealing with with the insurance company, but also what we're installing. You know, I wanted to be the best. And then if becoming the biggest is a byproduct of that, that's great. But at the end of the day, you know, my goal was to be the the absolute best. Um, And so I think one thing that really set us apart and helped us scale a lot faster was the, was the knowledge and learning about discontinued shingles or how different insurance carrier works or how the adjustment process worked or different things like that and repairability tests and all it, the biggest thing was we were becoming more efficient and even if we got on the same number of roofs from the year prior our batting average was going up we were closing way more getting way more things approved and the things that we already got approved last year we were getting them approved for higher amounts because we knew other things that we needed um, that the insurance company to pay for so a lot of it was just knowledge that kind of set us set us apart. And then um, the other thing was just, you know, our hustle. Uh, you know, me, Ray, Lance, we all have rough, rough paths. We we're all addicts. We we're all in and out of jail, homeless, didn't have nothing. And um, so, you know, it's uh, it's not something that we want to go back to. We don't want to go back to that life. And one, we want to make sure that our families are taken care of, our kids are taken care of. But two, you know, we want to show people what's possible um and it doesn't matter you know where you come from or what you had or what you were given um if you want to do something or put your mind to something you can do do anything uh and that's been really cool to see too with our with our companies that we've had a lot of people that have come in that have rough past you know they're 
covered in tattoos or they're not necessarily, you know, clean cut or they've had addiction issues in the past or felonies or whatever. And it's a, it's a second chance industry. It's kind of a rough industry anyways, but for us seeing people that have turned their life around and come in and we're willing to take a step on, you know, a, a, a chance on them. It's a, it's a step in the right direction for that person. And it's a, it's a huge, I think like the fact that we're willing to take a chance on them and trust in what they can do, it means a lot to them. And, you know, but I mean, we have to, cause we've been there, you know, so um, they, they, I mean, they'll do anything in the world to, to make sure that, you know, they don't let us down, so to speak. And, but with that is, is the coolest thing because they, they get their mind right. They start working out. Like all of us have been real big on fitness. I was, I did bodybuilding for years. Um, Ray races bikes now. That's kind of his stress relief. So just doing that and me meal prepping, I think every guy that we have come in starts doing something physical, starts working out, starts taking care of themselves. So they start like just overall becoming this different person, their mindset, their body, um, how they take care of themselves, their discipline. And then that transfers over into business to where, you know, they're making more money. They're pulling up in new trucks. They're buying new houses, you know, for their, for their wife or for their kids and, you know, have this new pool or these new toys or, you know, and that's super cool to see, man, for people that didn't have nothing. And then now all of a sudden they are able to live a lifestyle they never dreamed of. So that's been the biggest thing for me is, and, and being able to give back to the community is huge for us too, because having been there and having been, you know, down and out, like we pay off school lunches, um, all in Georgia, we have a, a nonprofit called perimeter cares where we basically go into school lunches two or three a week and whatever their debt is in different schools, we just pay all their debt for their school lunches. Um, and then we have another, uh, nonprofit that we teamed up with, that builds beds for kids that don't have beds to sleep on. So we'll have days here behind the office to where we'll build the beds. And then we have another one day a month where we actually deliver the beds. And so we'll go out to different houses that we, that people have, you know, recommended. Um, and we've done our research on and, and we go out there and put the beds together. And then we know a little bit about the kids and if they like, unicorns or dinosaurs or whatever so we put the, the sheets on and the you know the pillowcase and everything and then they come in the room and they got a brand new bed or bunk bed if there's two of them and they got dinosaur pillowcases or, or, or sheets you know and so it's cool to see the kids get super excited when they came from uh, we've seen sleeping in tents we've seen sleeping on the floor on whatever you know so whatever we can do to give back has been has been a huge blessing for us as well yeah. First, you got to earn to give back. Well, I guess you could say, hey, you can give back now, but you can't give back as much as you are giving. But, uh, you know, that that spike in growth from 16 to 23 to 250 million. Most people are out there aren't, you know, most roofing companies are doing significantly less. Right. What was the maybe the breakthrough or did just somebody sprinkle pixie dust on you? And it was like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, where along the line did you realize like that that's that's a, a spike that's a hockey stick growth curve that's that's high it's unusual so where um, three million the first year that's great um but where did you you know so you, every year we basically pattern, like three twenty fifty you know what i mean like we went um three every year we about doubled so we did like three six twelve 20 something 
and then close to 40 and then 50 something. And then we started acquiring companies with our um, growth as well. So we had our growth plus acquisitions and then that's how we really spiked. But, you know, we try, the goal is to keep, um, keep our, we want, obviously we want to acquire companies and we want to grow that way as well, but we also want to grow organically too. So the more we can keep those as close to like 50, 50 as possible, the better. So, but one thing, one thing I think that, you know, we, when I say we, but you know, the guys have done a tremendous part with is really focusing on, um, which is one thing that I'm huge on is that I think you have to not, you can't just build the company brand. Like you have to, even though the company brand is super important, like every single one of these guys here, they have their own personal identity. There's a reason why somebody wants to call them versus this other guy. And they have to have a personal brand as well, you know? So they do a great job of uh, whether it's on Facebook or so, whatever social media is building that presence in that platform to where people know them, not just perimeter roofing. Um, which I think is really important. People want to know what they're interested in, what they're, where their kids go to school, all that kind of shit, because that's just something for them to connect with other customers to have some sort of connection on for them, to, for someone to feel comfortable reaching out to them. So, yeah. So you, you've clearly built a great culture. Uh, you, you've leveraged even, even I was an addict, you know, uh, in my twenties, cause uh, I guess, I don't know. You know, it's hard to find a purpose, I guess, in the twenties, you know, you don't know what to do. You get out of college, you trying to figure things out. And I'm still an addict, you know, I, I eat too much, you know, <laughs> even though I'm not fat, you know, but so I do these three day fasts. Uh, have you ever done a, a fast before? I did one uh, a couple of weeks ago, but not by choice. It was because I had the flu. My whole family was down with the flu. And so we didn't eat for like three or four days. So I feel uh, skinny fat right now. Yeah. So, so I, I realized after I did the three day or I'm, I'm in the middle of my second three day fast that how much food I actually do eat, it feels like so unnecessary, even though, cause food tastes so good and, and it looks good. And so what I do now is I smell it <laughs> when my kids are, I just smell it. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Put it down. But uh, my vi I, I don't know if you track your vitals and, and I know you have other uh, brands and other other things in the health space going on. Uh, I track it through a whoop strap and, and my vitals on my sleep went off the charts uh, during this fasting period. So I don't know, maybe I'll cut food out at dinner. I'm not sure what my strategy is. Every every body is different. But yeah, tell us about some of your other brands. I, I'm assuming the the roofing platform helped create all these other things. That's all the. Uh, Yes, that was pretty much my first, um, first, you know, leap of faith kind of on my, my own. Um, and then uh, from there, I just started, you know, doing other businesses. Um, me and Ray and uh, Lance did some others as well. And um, some of them have done good. Some of them, you know, failed fucking miserably. It is what it is. Um, but it was, it was just a learning process for us. Um and it's obviously it's taught us a lot too. So, um, you know, I can't, can't, you know, I don't like not like the fact that we did do, didn't do any of them and then they failed. So it is what it is. But, um, so yeah, I created, uh, want to have a, a security company where, um, I have, uh, basically 
software that we've installed a different like truck, um, primarily different truck, um, like storage facilities um, and monitor the security there. And then I have a, a nutrition company that's, I had two different things. I had a clothing company and a nutrition company. And then I just kind of merged them because it made sense. Like all my, my clothing was more like fitness related anyways. And then, and my, uh, and then I had like lifting straps. I'm always coming out with different or designing my own, um, like lifting accessories. So, uh, I have knee sleeves, I have lifting straps, I have wrist wraps. Um, I have like the Versa Grip style lifting straps and the old school style lifting straps. Um, and then I got a ton of different shirts, sweatpants, short, all that kind of shit too. Um, so I just did that and the nutrition stuff all in the same, same company now. Um, and then I have that. I have another storage company that I have a partner on where we store um, which goes hand in hand with the trucking industry where we store, uh, boxes for, um, uh, containers for the trucks. Um, and I have, uh, me and Ray have a call center, uh, where we call for, we did it initially for the roofing side of things and we'll call to schedule roof appointments, but we also work with real estate agents, gutter companies, um, full on like rebuilds or remodels, designs, things of that nature. So we have different people that we work with on that aspect that basically they'll give us areas that they want to call on or that they want to work in and we'll call and have a script, whatever should we work with them on what script is best and we can tweak it at any time we want. And um, we call and set appointments. Um, that's been really good. And I think that's all I got. You know. For your for perimeter roofing, do you, and you have multiple locations, how many locations are you up to? Um, I would, I would, nowadays I would just call Georgia one. We used to have five or six different locations in Georgia, but now we're so like dense in Georgia that we can cover anywhere. Um, so we have Georgia, we have Knoxville, Chattanooga, and Nashville. We have Louisville, Kentucky. We have Greenville, South Carolina, um, Raleigh and Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, that's eight. we got three in Texas. That's 11. I think that's it. So 11, 11, 11 brick and mortar locations. Yeah. So, so do you do you handle in each lo do you have one location for call center or HR or accounting and and so uh, all the like HR and all that kind of stuff is all in our corporate office here in uh, Lawrenceville, Georgia. Um, but then the the other brick and mortar locations essentially have somebody in the office that's able to uh, dispatch telephone calls, uh, leads, or, or obviously take in local calls, um, and then help schedule builds help, um, with the system approving jobs and different things like that. So they do things more on a local level as far as like all um, payments, invoices, HR, management team, all that kind of stuff is here at the, the main corporate office, which was all, also like our original first office. And we've kind of expanded out from here. <clears throat> So when you were when you were growing over the seven eight years this explosive growth, um, what what did you set goals to double each year? Was that a goal or was did you? It wasn't necessarily a goal, but you know we just 
we knew what we did last year and we never or the year prior and we never really had a goal to double it per se but we knew we just wanted to fucking blow it out of the water like we could never excuse me just our mentality like our whole culture and everybody here like we can't we can't do what we did last year and that's just everybody and even it trickles down all the way to each individual person as well. Like they don't want to do, I don't care if they did 500,000, a million, 3 million, whatever each individual person did, they will not do what they did last year. And it's just the culture that we have here, which is you know cool to see, but they just never become, I don't care if they had a great life last year and they made a lot of money and they had plenty of free time too, or whatever. They're just not content with it. They want to do more. So, and it's not necessarily from, it's not necessarily they want to make more money. I mean, they do. But, you know, that's not the driver behind it. They want to. If I sold one, I'm going to sell 1.5, period. And then they backtrack it and, you know, kind of reverse engineer what they got to do to get there. So. Like uh, that Eric Thomas saying, you want to be if you I can't remember specifically how successful do you want to be, you know, enough to breathe. Right. Yeah. Uh, I I can't remember the exact phrase, but it's like. uh, basically you'd rather die than, than not exceed what wanna, when you want to breathe is bad or you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe. That's when you'll be successful. Right. Right. So that, yeah. That's a hundred percent. And you know, I, I feel like a lot of the guys, it's just, it's like you said, you know, with addiction, a lot of us, you know, have had addiction with bad things. It's almost like we've kind of filled those voids with things that are productive or things that are healthy. Um, and so it's an addiction now of, well, I did 500,000. I'm going to sell 750,000. You know, there's no, and when you like it's 250,000 in growth right there, that's not a ton. But when you multiply that over the course of, you know, however many salespeople, which right now we got, I don't know, 250, 300 people, like it becomes a lot. Yeah. Right. Is, that, is that how many? You have 250 W2 or are they 1099? No, they're 1099. I think it's right around 300. So. It'll be, uh, I'm excited to see what we do this year. The goal is to try to hit 400, which I think we can do. So, so do you have an exit strategy for the business or is it, is it just kind of just? Um, I mean, our guess is it'll probably be in about two years. I mean, there's a lot of different, um, you know, variables and things that, that go into it. Um, one, obviously you want it to be, to be worth it from a profitability standpoint on what the company's producing, but at the same time, you know, the more diverse you are, the more um, leaders you have to fill your positions to where, you know, if, if I do want to leave and somebody can step up and take my spot, if I have 10 people that can take my spot and 10 raise and 10 other, whatever, then it makes it a lot more valuable as well. And then also from the integration, which, um, you know, when we grow organically, the integration's already kind of there because majority of the time we're taking somebody from, let's say from this office or this area or Nashville or whatever, and we're moving them to here to open up a new office and they hire five new guys or we send a couple guys with them and then they grow it and fucking kill it. So it's all the same. They're used to the process. So everything is just, you know, secondhand nature. Um, but then when you, when we acquire other companies, then, you know, there's a lot of the processes are the same, but there might be a lot of variances as well. So we want everything to be um, the, the, even if, even if we haven't like changed the name, 
like if we acquire one across the country and we don't change the name immediately, like we want their, their processes to be universal. Just so if somebody from there comes here and works or vice versa, all they might have to do is change shirts, but everything's the same other than that. Same CRM system, same um, materials, same supply house, same everything. And then also speaking of like materials and supply house, obviously it helps with um, cost effective being able to you know bundle everything up and save on more money and go to the go to certainty or go to whatever supply house and say, hey, here's what we're doing. I need better pricing. So, how, how do you how do you find uh, the businesses to acquire? Do they come to you? Do you go to them? How do you? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, what do you What do you look for? Is there a certain revenue? If anybody any roofing owners are out there listening right now, is there is there a is there a revenue flow you're looking for? Or is there um, not necessarily a revenue flow? I mean, if I had to put a, a, a price on a revenue, I'd say probably you know fifteen to twenty million plus um, in revenue. Um, but the, I would say, you know, it's been like 50, 50 with people coming to us and, and then us kind of seeking out other people as well. Um, a lot of times you'll get, you know, word of mouth about this company or that company and great things that they're, they're doing. And we'll do a little research on them and figure, figure out from that perspective. But then at the same time, people will see us growing or the things that, you know, our sales guys are doing and how happy they are or this or that or whatever, they'll approach us about it. So, and then a lot of it too has just been companies that, you know, we've learned about through the course of time, especially more so local and in surrounding states, you know, that we've learned about over the last, you know, five, six years in doing this, that we know who's who, who's good, who's not, you know, who, who fits our, um, our atmosphere and our core values. And, um, and then at the same time, like, you know, we want to have, obviously we want to have this, all the same uh, kind of standards across the board. So like we're primarily insurance based, obviously we get some retail here and there, but that's not our main focus. So we get uh, primarily insurance based or 1099 model. Um, and uh, we're looking primarily like central and Eastern time zone. you know, so that's kind of what our, our standards are that we're looking for. Um, and a lot of that's obviously too, you know, from um, like, we just can't have sales guys or project managers that are 1099 and W2. You can't have the same, same job title with two different payroll types. So I'm still, I still want to, I'm still trying to figure out, you know, I feel like when there are spikes in, in, in income or gross revenue, something happened. Like, is it like, crazy work ethic are you working are you people working 100 hour weeks like do you still grow like do you is your mentor like jeff bezos you know what i mean like something what what is what how how did this happen i think it's i think it's probably um i think it's probably work ethic and i think it's probably us putting ourselves out there and branding not only our companies but ourselves um and then, you know, I do um, a good bit of like public speaking and podcasts and motivational speaking and um, all over on different stages. And, you know, I, I, I try to um, network with, you know, a lot of the top guys. I've been on, uh, I went to Vegas, was on Bradley's podcast. Um, you know, I went to Miami, worked out with Wes Watson, um, Ryan Steumann's a great fucking friend of mine. Talk to him almost daily. 
Um, you know, and all these guys are guys that have done way more than me and um, are well, you know, way more known than I am and, you know, have multiple best-selling books and, you know, millions of viewers and things like that. So uh, I try to network with them and, you know, allows me to dream even bigger than what, you know, I ever thought was possible. Which right. Is, I mean, they great. weren't in the picture necessarily six years ago or five no, years ago. No, absolutely not. You know, you got it. You, you know, they're, they're pay to play guys generally. So, um, I mean, let's dig into work ethic. Right. So what like what time you get in, like maybe earlier on? What time did you get into the office or? So like, work in? I would say the biggest thing is, you know, like I wasn't even in the office full time until probably like maybe two years ago. And but like me and Ray when we were when we, like, when we started this thing and then, you know, for years after we, we were out in the field, like leading by example, Ray's still out in the field, leading by example with the sales team and training guys and helping um, uh, with their uh, adjuster meetings and things. Of that sounds like you have great it sounds like you have great partners. Dude, they're on, we all, we all, you know, we all have our language. You haven't, you haven't said that. it yet, but you keep bringing them up and I'm thinking you have like unbelievable partners in addition uh, to you. They're on point. I mean, and they all take what they do very seriously and they know you know and like i said we all know our our roles and you know our lanes so to speak so you know even though like i started this thing like ray's been out in the field more than i am so it's, it's like the, the clydesdale thing a clydesdale or can only pull so much by himself <laughs> if you have two you can pull one and a half x if you have yeah. three you can pull whatever it is i have to read the little thing but so that yeah, sounds like, 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 like exponential growth, um, you know. And then uh, Lance is great with the with the crews and with the knowledge base there from from building. There's a lot of stuff that I don't know, so you know we know who to defer certain things to. That's going to have the best input or the best answers. Um, and we work together as a team. There's no there's no pride or no, you know, I'm the head honcho or this or that. We all work together, and and the end goal is just to grow this motherfucker as, as big as possible. But we all work crazy hours um and you know i remember being on the road with ray and man we'd leave my house at five in the morning and like we we're working multiple states we'd be in greenville at seven for an inspection and then have an adjuster meeting at nine and then have to come back to georgia by you know noon or like and wouldn't get home till eight o'clock at night nine o'clock at night um and it was non-stop going to to get this thing really taken off and make sure that we had everybody trained and that we we're bringing in top quality guys. We we're showing them what to do, leading by example. And, you know, the only downfall with that when we were working that much was, you know, we kind of let ourselves go from a, from a fitness standpoint. Um, I would say it's definitely probably the, one of the most out of shape times, you know, I've ever been. Um, I was focused on work so much and then, and then focused on, um, you know, my daughter was, newly born and then, you know, a year or two years old. And so those were the two, my two like primary things. And um, so finally I had to force myself like, Hey, it's hitting you. You got to get back in the gym, do your thing and take care of yourself first before you can take care of other people. So um, I got back into doing that and, you know, been going strong ever since competed in more bodybuilding shows and retired from that. But I still am in the gym every day. Cardio every morning, cold plunge every morning, sauna every night, gym every night, all my meals prepped, 
and then work all day, family time at night. On the weekends, it's family time. And me and the wife will hit the gym together. And so we have a routine. It's very, for the most part, it's very Groundhog's Day for me. Um, but uh, what do you yeah, do to break that? What do you do to break Groundhog? Or do you, do you like Groundhog's Day? Like routine? Do, 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 do. Um, I like it for the most part. I'm very, you know, routine type person. But, you know, I also um, am very big on family and, you know, my kids, my parents, my wife. And so I make sure that like every Friday night we have date night, just me and my wife. Um, so, you know, every Friday night, me and her go out to dinner. My parents come over, watch the kids. Where are you going tonight? A place called uh, um, Perry Street Chop House. Um, it's like this little five-star restaurant that's not far from our house. That's You don't have to go all the way to Atlanta to the city and deal with all the traffic and fucking craziness. So it's, it's peaceful. What, what it's, they serve? Um, it's like a real fancy steakhouse um, and seafood, but I'm just a steak and potatoes type of guy and I'm good. So I could get a Longhorn and be happy, but um, you Longhorn's know, I, like, I, like, I like Longhorn, but I, uh, you know, I like to spoil the wife too and let her feel special and get fancy and I'll still wear my sweatpants and t-shirt, but that way she can get dressed up. we we'll go somewhere and they put us in a private room and um, take care. So it's cool. It's a cool little experience to see her get, get like this special treatment. And then um, on the weekends, man, we just, I play with the, you know her and the kids as much as possible. Me and her will play games at night. Me and her and the kids will just play board games or we'll go outside and do whatever. I got a bunch of land and we got, um, Side by sides and pool and hot tub and guns and fucking whatever. So, right, I saw on your YouTube station you, you got a pretty major car collection with a big garage too. So that's that's the yeah. hard part. Getting land in these uh, lucrative cities, you know. But uh, I got lucky with the land where I'm at. I'm trying. I'm probably going to buy probably another five acres. Put a parent, my parents, build a house for them right beside us. Um, but yeah, I like, uh, I don't spend really money on anything but cars. That's my, I'm not really a fancy person. You in the stock I, market all or you no stock market? In what? Stock no, market? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I let kind of my financial advisors deal with all that. It's not really my cup of tea. Um, I'm not really a professional at it and I really don't care. It doesn't entertain me that much. Like, I'm not really a gambler. Um, but I like cars. I enjoy driving cars. I enjoy car shows and I do well with cars. I'm, you know, a lot of the cars I buy, I'm able to drive for a year or two and turn around and sell them for the same amount of money, if not more. So um, that's kind of been my stock market, so to speak, um, or building cars. It's just something that I enjoy. So I figure life's short. What, what car are you, are you buying and selling for more? What, what, kind, what, uh, like my last, uh, show truck, um, I sold for the same amount. Um, my last Porsche, um, which I have one now, probably about to get another one, but, um, my last Porsche I drove for a year and turned around and sold it for 50 grand more. Where are you going? Um, to the dealership or are you going to the private market? Um, I'm going to dealerships, but I'm going to, um, like exotic car dealerships that have like a variety of different things. Normally, I buy them used, like a year old, um, with you know a thousand miles on them. Um, like my Porsche now is a twenty-two, and I bought it used with 
900 or something miles on it. So it was basically brand new. Um, and I'll be able to drive it for a year or two and sell it for the same amount. Um, Are you adding you know, value to the vehicle or is it just? No, I mean, I'll, I'll always, like, I don't ever drive anything stock. I like, I'll always at least put wheels and tires on it or something. Um, but it's nothing that is necessarily increasing the value. It's just the, the car itself. Most of the cars that I buy are like special editions or something like that, that um, they're very limited in production and you can just let them sit or you can drive them and have fun with them, but the they're never going to lose their, their money. So like a Porsche GT3 RS is the next one that I'm looking at that I have allocation for. And, you know, I can get that car cheap because I have an allocation for it and they're selling for double what I'll pay for it. So um, what's your opinion on, uh, have you ever heard the term debt motivation? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it works. Um, do you use it or do you, did you use it or do you live within your means at all times? Uh, I mean, I always live within my means, but at the same time, like I kind of have an abundance mindset. I don't feel like, you know, I always feel like profusion mindset. You can make more. Yeah. You can always make more, more money. You know what I mean? So, um, but definitely like with the, with the guys, like I encourage them go buy a new truck, like push yourself. Cause now, you know, one, you have a new truck, it's going to make you more money and you're going to be proud of it and you're going to enjoy what you're doing. But two, now, you know, you got that truck payment. So you're going to fucking work harder to pay for that. So they make more money for the company. They're selling more, but now they're happier too. So it might've stressed them out for a minute, but in the long run, they're happier. So I do believe it works on with the right people. Not everybody, but with the right people. What did did you what did you do? Did you do that? Are um, you that or no? I don't I mean, I never really did that. I always lived like I never stressed about money. I never um, you know, for the longest time I didn't have any money, I didn't have food, I didn't have anything. So when I kind of started making money, like I didn't just all of a sudden start spending that much. You know, I know a lot of people kind of um, increase, you know, slow and steady. And then obviously their, their expenditures kind of increase slow and steady as well and match what their, what their income is. Um, but for me, I've never had a need to spend what I make, you know, so um, I always make sure that I have more coming in. It's just a, I don't know if it's, you know, my past of, you know, knowing, th knowing you got to save money for a rainy day from, you know, my dad, hear my dad talk about work. Um, but yeah, I've never really had like a, I never really used that to like motivate me. Now I've, I've used rewards like, Hey, if you do this, we're going to get this. Like, you're not going to stress about it. You're not going to, we're going to go buy this because it's something that you've always wanted. I've used like a reward system for myself and set goals like that way, but I've never had anything to where I'm going to buy it and it's going to make me work harder because I know I got this payment to make or something like that. Right. Got it. All right, Todd, thanks so much for coming on to our Absolutely. podcast. Uh, I'm sure you're going to help some listeners. I know it. I believe it. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Look forward to it, man. All right. Thanks, man.